I am here holding the hope for you until you can hold it for yourself. Welcome to From Heartache to Healing and Hope with your host, Bernadette Winters-Bell, LMSW. This podcast explores the many layers of life through the lens of loss and grief, often with special guests who share their perspectives on this universal yet unique process. These explorations can offer you, the listener, avenues to encourage you to have these conversations with yourself, your family, your community, your world. Welcome. This is Bernadette Winters-Bell, the host of the podcast From Heartache to Healing and Hope. And for this series, Same Storm, Different Boats, I'm thrilled to share with you my special guest, Nettie Jean Scarzafava. She is the most amazing, a Renaissance woman, yes, many things. A teacher, a learner, an attorney, a judge, a guide and mentor for me. And so this wonderful, really spiritual, energetic woman has so much to share about what this journey during this pandemic has been for her, her growth and her gains and what she's learned anew. I think you're going to be fascinated by it. Can't wait to see you there. I'm holding the hope for you until you can hold it for yourself. I'd love to welcome my very special guest, Nettie Jean Scarzafava. And in this series of the podcast titled Same Storm, Different Boats, we're talking about how the pandemic has affected all different kinds of people, how they've changed, evolved, struggled, grown. How has it been for them? So Nettie Jean, welcome. Thank you, Dad. It's great to be here and it's great to see that fireplace uh, giving light. So I uh, understood that after World War One, uh, when people met up after the war, they would ask, how was your war? Because people had all different experiences. So I'm asking, how is your pandemic going? Oh, wow. So a gift and a burden, all packaged in the same little gift. I... Um, I feel great joy in having this time to make choices just on base the moment, be present in the moment. And that's um, because the, I haven't been scheduling, 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 and I love that. Um, I also love gardening and roasting tomatoes. And... Um, so, in many ways, for me, I have uh, felt that joy. Right alongside that, with equal uh, power, stands that um, that uh, burden of knowing how many are suffering, and that suffering is. Um, that suffering is intense. It's as intense as the joy I feel every moment I'm alive. And that, to me, is just like, wow, how can they both be together? And isn't that the question, of course, how to balance holding both when they feel of equal weight? Yes. And, of course, at times one is more heavier or present than the other. But how do you find, what helps you to hold both? 
what helps me to hold both maybe is um, the vision of a seesaw as a child mm -hmm. and standing uh, one foot on one side of the uh, balance of it and one foot on the other and feeling that absolutely feeling that in my body how do I balance this moment that I'm in with Bernadette right now as you're saying that, I'm remembering on a seesaw, you would go down and bend your knees. Yes. So you had to be flexible. Very flexible. And then to push yourself back up on the seesaw. So it was coming down, and you wanted to soften the blow. And yes. then regulate and then push yourself back up. That's a great image. And, and you had to, you really had to feel it in your body. And so I've, I'm feeling that this time is uh, a time of us embodying ourselves and that that can only happen when we're in the presence of the moment. Right. The other image that has come to me, um, because I live on a beautiful body of water, the stand-up paddleboard. And how that stand-up paddleboard is, uh, is balanced in that same way. There's a feeling of it that you have to feel the waters and how that's related to the winds and how that is related to the weight of your body and how you're going to move the next arm and the next uh, uh, movement in order to propel it forward. Or to hold it more in status in order not to be knocked down by the wave. Right. Is yeah. it? Do you find it hard to be in the moment and to um, balance all the other things you need to stay up, upright and afloat? I'm finding it so much easier just um, stay balanced in my head. I so think the more we try to do that, the more we push it, the more it's harder. But when we just, right, if we just say, okay, I'm going to go stay out on the paddleboard and stay and pay attention to things, but be present, like you said before, in my body, it becomes yes. easier. Yeah. And I, uh, so the biggest, I guess, feeling for me right now is, um, uh, I know your work is grief and loss, and, um, and I, I, I grew up in Arkansas with four brothers and four sisters. And most of my uh, family of origin still live there where I grew up. And um, I haven't been in a whole year. And so not to be able to be with them. And I've, I made two airline tickets. I have crafted uh, two drives. And within uh, days of making those, I've canceled them. And so it's, um, it's, you know, it's that sort of loss that stands by the joy of roasting the tomatoes out of my bountiful garden here. Because they're all gardeners too, so I send them pictures. And I think too, one of the things that has balanced me more is that I do send more pictures. I do 
reach out to those I'm not with more. Um, and I was so resistant to this Zoom and this uh, phone with me. And, you know, I just want to go to the garden and leave them, that all behind. Because I'm, I'm not, um, I wasn't wanting to spend my time with technology. I want to spend it with the soil, with, the, with my feet, you know, digging into the earth. And I, I do believe that that has balanced me during this time. Absolutely. I've been seeing the similarities between the grief process and what everyone has been experiencing during this pandemic and the different losses and challenges. And one of the ones you just highlighted is that when we have a profound loss, and I um, define that as um, the heart-to-heart -heart connection between you and either the person or the item or the job, whatever it might be, um, and where you are developmentally in your life, what's important. And so that Whatever our go-to coping skills, so here we'll talk about gardening and how it um, feeds your soul and certainly your, your belly. Uh, sometimes um, almost abandons us or we're forced to look at other things like technology, things we wouldn't do normally. In fact, we go out of our way not to do. And we're forced to learn new Forced or allowed, you can pick your verb, how you're feeling. Right. And so you had to come to a place to say, if I want to be in touch with family and friends, yes. okay, Zoom, you and I are going to have to come to a meeting of the minds here. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. And I never really understood that until uh, March of this year. My daughter, who has lived uh, 10 years now in Saudi Arabia with two of my grandchildren, and they showed up here uh, as a surprise for my birthday on March the 15th. My birthday is the 22nd. With the intention of returning to Saudi Arabia on the sometime uh, late March, well, they were here for five months. And so the grandchildren helped me to plant the garden. Oh. Now when I have this uh, bounty from the garden, it's like being able to share that with them on Zoom is very different because before I'm just, I'm just I was adamant, I'm not going to be a Zoom grandma. I want to be a hug grandma in the physical body. And I, <laughs> yes. and so I realized that our physical body is also in that um, unseen world, just like imprints in time. I never recognized uh, how powerful imprints in time with grief is, mm -hmm. because. Um, this is the five-year, July was the five-year anniversary of my husband's going. Right. And, oh, my gosh, that week I was knocked flat on my uh, back with uh, a tick bite, something as tiny as a little tick bite. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the, the testing showed Lyme. I was so, so, so sick. And um, 
it was only maybe um, a month or so, you know, sometime in August, I looked at the calendar and it's like, oh my gosh, that was right during the week that my husband was making his crossing. Right. And so during that time, and he really shared the crossing with me um, um, in the Tibetan way uh, in a boat that he was captain of and it was loaded with others of golden light and he was he was transporting them across the great waters and so he um i i uh, during this i call it now my three days three nights of initiation uh -huh. during that uh three nights um one of the nights i honestly rode the oceans and I woke up realizing it was Neptune. Oh. And so I Google it and it's like, what is that? And so it's the whole uh, story of, of, um, of the, uh, you know, Athena right. planting trees and uh, Neptune cra uh, crashing his uh, trident on the stones to stop. And, uh, the uh and and from that he provided athens with an ever-flowing spring of water and it the only way i could stop in that initiation the intensity of riding the ocean was to crash against stones oh. which i just did you know to stop it so the and that was a three night there was just an immense growth and so when i realized that it was the week of john's crossing five years uh, later i realized how joined we are in the implicate and explicate order still and how much he continues to inform my work here and i continue to ride with him in his uh his continued work in the unseen world it's so, all interesting that something like a tick bite would put you out on your back so it gave you the time forced you to take the time to have that rest to have that reflection absolutely you yes. know um sometimes we have a hard time just resting and relaxing you know i think that sometimes we get a little on our shoulder and we that off and then we get a we get rid of that right. and then they pull the rug out from under you and drop your on your tush and say okay now you're going to pay attention absolutely and that, and that was the gift of the tick bite yes it was and to realize that uh doxycycline which i really did not want to take because i know what it does to the gut biome right uh and so i resisted it and the very moment I started to take it, I, um, it, other things, uh, realizations that are so deep, and we only have a certain amount of time, came. And so I asked my daughter, who's a veterinarian, what is doxycycline made from? And she said, well, mom, it's made from bacteria in the soil. 
and I'm like, oh my gosh, now I understand what Lyme disease is trying to teach us as a humanity. And, and it's that balance that we first started talking about, that balance. Exactly. That, yes, that the soil itself is out of balance. Exactly. So before when you were talking of the story of the Neptune and you're talking about the planting of the trees and then the, the, the water, isn't that the basis there for you, the planting of the garden and being on the lake, the water, right? That's absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's also so entwined with what we're going through uh, as a racial issue in this country because the slaves were brought here 400 years ago through the mouth um, of the Susquehanna River that comes in through Jamestown. And this is the, uh, the source that I live on, Cooperstown Lake is the source of that river. So during that time, uh, I saw how the slaves were used uh, in a diagram of a boat and they were used as ballast ballast b-a-l-l-a-s-t and that caused me to recognize that their journey through the waters we're now able to repair that if we have the perspective that these two continents are being woven back together in that unseen implicate order that the quantum physicists speak of. Exactly. So when you look at a map, the uh, continents that come together, you can see where they used to be, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have an opportunity at this time in history. Absolutely. And say, how can we truly look at this, acknowledge it? Absolutely. Repair and heal. Yes. Yes. And that all came. It's like until we do that, we can't heal the imbalance in the soil or the balance between the uh, changing from the age of Pisces, the age that is water, to an age of air, which is Aquarius, and that ballast that is required to now balance it differently. And planting more trees, it was like, oh my gosh, that's what has to be done because people, you know, animals go about, on whether we're four-legged or two-legged, they go about. But trees are, are, are holding that ballast. And we have denuded so much that we, one of the greatest things I think we can do is plant things that have roots to spread. Absolutely. So they form that kind of stability and yes. foundation, and then the roots reaching out into the soil. So it goes further than just one person or one tree. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And I think about all of us who, you know, got on this whatever spiritual thread we just kept pulling and pulling. And it's, um, it fascinates me because um, sometimes we get caught in our own individual journey and forget about the journey of the whole of humanity. 
And if we just get stuck on our little journey, then we as an individual who have realized our observing selves aren't able to contribute to the whole because we're just working on the individual aspect. And I understand that importance of the individual realizing themselves. It's, it's critically important. And well, I think that's an excellent point that um, many times, and maybe we just have to live long enough, hopefully, to have experiences and learn this. But not only can we not give to the greater good, but we can't receive then either. Absolutely. And no man is an island. Um, you may need time to refresh and be by yourself like a solo retreat, uh, but then come back uh, with some more resources and energy in your buckets so yeah. that you can be part of the whole and yeah. give what you see, right? Yeah. Right. The so whole is where balance. Balance, isn't it? Right. Amazing. Amazing. And you know, that's the other thing we talked about uh, initially is that that balance, that presence that allows us to feel that balance for, and nobody can feel it for me. You know, I have to, I have to be the one to feel it. And I'm learning that too. You know, I can't, I can't do another person's balancing for them. I don't have a clue what they need to do to balance. No, no, we can take care of ourselves. Yeah. And I know that we all need each other because when those big, huge waves of the ocean come, we are way better off if we've got a whole bunch of those stand-up paddle boards that are balancing together like a school of fish or a flock of birds. Wow. So, you know, and if traveling has always been a big part of your life, and I know you can't go to Arkansas now, but I know you've been to many parts of the world. What has that been like not to I guess you're just telling me. Well, no, so Bernadette, in January, I had three trips scheduled, one to Scotland, one to Africa, and one to Italy, uh, to Assisi. So these, on, uh, all on pilgrimages, all, uh, all like very small group uh, pilgrimages. And those three, I canceled the end of January. There was something that was like, okay, I don't have a clue what this is about. Um, and maybe I did, maybe I had seen something about this, uh, coronavirus or somebody had told me about it or whatever, you know, I don't watch the, uh, TV and I very seldom uh, read news of any kind, but, um, but of course people around me do. And, um, so I was like, oh my gosh, there is something and I had felt it coming even when I scheduled these trips a year before. It's like there's something that's calling me to stay in one spot of soil for at least a year. Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I've had to honor that. And, uh, and I guess having that little bit of... Uh, precursor of consciousness around it might have given me the ability to weather it easier 
Well, sure, because in a way, it was maybe your spirit's way of preparing your mind and body that you're yes. going to be staying put and it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. Yes. So you had time to process it and be prepared for it. Whereas most of us found out one day that the next day we weren't going to the office or school or whatever. It was just like that. Yes. And you know, that's the difference too, I think, in so many of my friends who have lost um, really important people in their life either suddenly or uh, had at least some indication that the potentiality was, uh, could become a probability, which I had with John, and we did so many uh, things in that last five years of his life because we were both aware that there was at least one potentiality that meant he would leave this uh, body. Right. And so I think about that, and not that we can compare one as worse than the other. It was just the experience I needed and he needed and that we grew together through uh, where somebody else needs a little different point on the circle. And it's not a ladder where we get somewhere. We're always just in that circle, in that spiral going around somehow. So all of the things that you've done in your life, um, I know you are an attorney and a judge and a shamanic learner and leader. So what has all of those things done to prepare you for where we are now, where you are now? Okay. I'm, um, so I have done a lot and it just brings me such gratitude at almost 75 years old to be able to look at that and say, Wow, good thing you did that then, right? <laughs> and uh, and that I had so many mentors that were aged. In other words, they were older than I. Many that younger also. And I look at it like the ocean waves. And I I have um, been in the wave that I'm in always knowing that there's a big wave coming out there and that as long as i'm present in this wave that that big one when it comes i'm going to be prepared for it just stay present now for what you're in and then that prepare you're already prepared for it when it comes and yeah you might die from it but so what you know we don't die anyway well, isn't that the truth? Of course. Right. So, yeah, so. Um, Wonderful. So what gives you hope for the future? So what gives me hope for the future are the children. Oh, oh my gosh. And those coming by, you know, 10, uh, ten years uh, behind me. And in age, I mean. I don't mean, because in walking the labyrinth, we realize that we don't know who's uh, who's ahead and who's behind. Right. So I'm just talking in this physical time and space thing where we, uh, we articulate things by years. So I know people who are 10 years older than me. Some, year, some are 20 years older than me. And I can look at their lives and I can look at those that are 
or 10 years less in age or 20 years less in age or 30 years less in age. And I, so what gives me hope is that I'm seeing that that's not all broken, that those generational lines are not all broken. And as long, and we're, we're, we're reweaving that too. Oh, oh, isn't that image beautiful, weavers? I love it. I love Me it. Too. You know, I, I think about um, the world uh, during, after World War One or World War Two or uh, other incident, 9-11. Um, and when we think back to the wars and we read history, we see uh, what the difficulties were, how they weave life back together. And until we hear individual stories, we don't know how difficult it was personally for a person, a family, a community, a right. And we're in the midst of something phenomenal in this country, and we're trying all to figure it out. And sometimes I think it's good uh, to talk about the fact that this same storm with different boats that we're all in. Right. Right. Is we're trying to figure it out and keep the balance even when it feels like the boat's falling apart. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But because we, we, as a community, as a country, as a world, have been through things before and come out the other side. And we will again, too. We're resilient. Yeah. Yes, we are. We are resilient. Yes. And there are so many things that give me hope about, uh, you know, the discovery, like the, the movie Kiss the Ground that was just released, about how dear, uh, this simple thing reclaims the carbon that's in the atmosphere that's causing a lot of our disease right now, whether it be of the soil or the earth, but regenerative agriculture and how quickly it can restore it if we follow those practices. So that gives me hope, you know? And the other thing, Bernadette, is you mentioned how many things, I mean, I've been and studied with the shamans in Mongolia, in Argentina, in Chile, in Peru, in, in Ireland. It's like I, I, the number one most important thing for me at this point in my life, anything I've ever learned, I want to pass it on to somebody else so they can use it. You know, it's, it becomes theirs. And it, it, not in an imitation of me, but in the way that it fits for them. And so like, you know, like when we danced for the, uh, for the grandchildren and those yet to come, it's like that dance is so simple. Anybody can lead that dance. A child could lead that dance. So I want to pass those things that have been so important in my life. Uh, because I've spent over 30 years doing four nights all night long dancing, right. not one hour, you right. know, or four days all day long from sunup to sundown with no food or water, dancing, wow. dancing. So those dances are so, and every culture has had their dances. Right now, I believe we need to get our feet on the ground and dance. Okay, 
I agree. Oh, y'all. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. This has been terrific. Full of knowledge and spirituality and love and hope. So thank you for the opportunity to share, Bernadette. I love you and all the soul sisters. Oh, I love you, my girl. Take care. A pleasure. Thank you. you oh, thank you.